bad that I've started to go towards some Regina Pats highlights, maybe some Connor Bedard action. We're not even close to that territory (laughs) as the Anaheim Ducks have one regulation win so far this season. They are they're full on just not trying at all. Pat Verbeek is doing it right. I'm telling you, he's got all the pieces. Do it right or don't do it at all. That's what Pat Verbeek said. I love how people complained about. I saw, I was listening to someone. I was listening to a podcast today. It was like, a, well, no kidding. They have Kevin Shattenkirk and uh, John Klingberg on the same defense. I'm like, yeah, that's the point. I literally looked at that roster this year and I said, that team is going to be. They're going to put themselves in a bad spot that they're not going to make the playoffs, but they're like not good enough to, or not bad enough to get a top five to 10 pick. I thought they were going to be like an okay team this year. Well, they proved me wrong. They did. They did. And I would agree. And I, and I would uh, argue that the good kind of wrong that they're going to get a franchise piece here in the best draft in a couple of years. Yes. But uh, welcome into another episode of the production line podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Garth Wickham. Grant Wickham. Unfortunately, Andy has come down with what we think is the flu, unfortunately. So I uh, hope he's feeling better. He'll be listening to this later. But uh, a lot of stuff's happened with the Red Wings. A lot of stuff's happened with the Red Wings. Uh, and I think uh, I opened the show a couple weeks ago. And I think that um, that opening still reigns true. Uh, stop blocking shots. Yeah. Take the take the minus. Dylan Larkin, take the minus. Um. Yeah, so Dylan Larkin, uh, seeing a hand specialist as of last night, uh, Wednesday, according to Derek Lalone. So uh, they are writing sort of scheduled off day today, Thursday, and we'll see where we're at Friday. But definitely didn't sound promising. Seeing a specialist never is good. Not at all. And Uh, it's really, it's it's tough because the Red Wings have lost four straight. Four straight. Um, and it's really hard to judge the team accurately with all of the injuries, and especially now. I mean, if you really focus on it, the last two games, you've been without three of your best forwards, and your t- and um, well, actually, Hironic was only the last game, but then your t- your best defensive pairing. Yeah, I would say your best defensive pairing, your best goal scorer, um, your best all around forward. That puts up the most points every year. And then just your guts guy. I mean, Bertuzzi does everything. Does everything. It's really tough. That t- is bad. Yeah, it is. It's very bad. And it's really hard to, like, people can be like, oh, the Red Wings are starting to slip. They suck. I mean, do that to any team in the NHL. Look at the Avalanche right now. That's basically what the Avalanche have. Kind of. Close. It is close. Uh, the Avalanche have been injury plagued all year, and it's impossible to judge the Avalanche right now. And I'd argue that it's almost impossible to judge the Red Wings right now. That's my point. Um, I know they've had spurts where they were healthy-ish, but for the majority of the year, they've still been missing Bertuzzi and Verona and Fabry. And Fabry, yeah, and we'll, so and we'll, talk, we'll, for, and we'll talk about him later. We'll talk about him later because that's an important topic, but. The Red Wings are in an interesting spot of what you do with the rest of the season. Obviously, I joked with the Connor Bedard thing, but 
there are there is serious motivation of just being like we could just ride this out and kind of let it slip in terms of management if i'm steve eisman like how are you looking at this what do you mean by ride it out though like i mean you're not just gonna lose games on purpose that's just not no no, no i'm not saying that i'm saying in the sense of let's say larkin's out long term like let's say six weeks what do you do I'm saying right out as you don't make any changes. You, you're the lineup's staying the same. I'd keep it pretty similar, to be honest with you. I mean, it's not like I'm gonna go out and trade for Boho or Bat if that's what you're asking. I was kind of getting at that, but again, like making I, I, a making a splash because a guy's injured. I, it's it's just I, my thinking on that is the Red Wings obviously made a step. They made steps to improve this offseason and be a competitive team. And obviously, it kind of sucks to see with so many injuries have gone down, your vision has gone to gone haywire. Yeah, you don't want to make a rash decision because of unfortunate events, right? I mean, I in my eyes, I don't think you're good enough to try to find a Larkin replacement in that quickly when you're not even in a playoff spot to begin with and make the playoffs, right? If he's out let's say six weeks do yeah. you disagree no 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 i don't i'm more so phrasing the question so like the best option you're gonna have to like purchase center is gonna be bo Horvat, but you're gonna have to play it pay a hefty price this is all theoretical in my head right now correct for this is going towards your thought of trying to repair a wound so if you want to repair the wound, the best way to do that is get Bohorvat, which I, for one, am not for that. But you're going to have to pay a pretty hefty price. And then and then what? Is he just going to come in, plug and play, and fix your Larkin problem? No. So, I mean, I don't yeah. know. It's, it's tough. I, I love Bohorvat. And I he would be incredible, but they're two different players, and it's hard to just fix missing your captain and your engine. No, definitely, and I th- I I know like I've saw a lot of it, like staying competitive and all that. And I still think like this roster is better than where we were last year, at the end of the year. It is. There's still more to. I mean, you still have David Perron, you have Dominic Kubalik, um, obviously Raymond, Cop. But it's still, it's very much on, like on paper now. You're like, okay, this is a bottom ten team. It's no fault to the guys. It's just where the injuries have lined. Like, yeah, and I and I would disagree if we see Hironic and Mata come back pretty quickly. Which it sounds um, sounds promising. Hironic, um, it sounded promising on the Hironic front. Yeah, we'll talk about we'll talk about that when we kind of t- touch on the Minnesota game a little bit, but. I wanted to start with Larkin in the sense, I mean, he's had, I mean, we've kind of complained about the Red Wings not having that it factor, that star guy. And Larkin's shown it at times this season, but it's the consistency, which I mean, it's just kind of showing he's not that elite player in the NHL. He's a very he's a good, very top good. Of the, he's a top of the lineup player, but he's not that elite superstar, which again, we, we talked about how superstar is an overused term in the NHL. It is, and there's not all that many in the NHL. Correct, and that's not a knock on Larkin. He's been the Red Wing. He's been the Red Wings' best forward 
for the majority of the season. He's a, he's a damn good forward. That's yes. what he is. Yes. So it's it just makes it like honestly like <laughs> if the Red Wings were to just fall off, it's not the worst year to do it. No, I. That's not something I could could want at all, though. No, because you got to worry about development of young guys. How good it is the culture of losing. That's why that's kind of my point of also staying competitive in the sense of making a move to help the depleted depth. Maybe not necessarily a Bo Horvat move, but I mean there was the thing of I mean I got this guy. I more so just kind of it was on my talking points, but it kind of goes into adding is the Yessi Puliarvi. Because the Red Wings are still linked to him in Elliot Friedman's uh, 32 Thoughts article. It'd be interesting. Would be. Guy struggling. I mean, again, that's basically Philip Sedina. Come on down. What, what if you just flip Sedina for Puliarvi? Didn't I say that last year? You did. Um, I think, like, on, on paper, it makes sense for both teams. It's more feasible now. Especially, well, I'd give Zadina some time after he came back, but... It would be feasible with Puliarvi struggling so bad now, and they're both like high draft picks around the same age. Two years apart, picked two two picks apart. Yeah, I mean it fits. Zadina yeah. was drafted by Holland. Obviously, a very easy comparison there, but no, I I honestly like it's just a weird. The Reddings are in a super weird spot of, and it's also. In the sense of rushing prospects, too. Yeah. Because now, we're, I mean, I saw something that uh, next man up for GR beat Jared, Jared McIsaac is what a lot of people were saying. Obviously, not like if you don't want to rush Edmondson, because again, he was sent down right away. You maybe probably want to get him to full pro season. I, I think, if anything, it would be Johansson or um, McIsaac, but yeah, I don't think Edmondson's going to be called up that soon. No. But yeah, the, the injury bug has definitely <laughs> run rampant through Detroit. And I mean, that's it's kind of been a thing the past couple of years, too. And I mean, obviously improved depth this year, but it lasted a couple, couple of years. It's it really killed the team. Um, yeah, it's uh, definitely I'm really hoping for the best for Larkin. Again, like I said, hand specialist is never really a good thing to hear in terms of an injury when you're going to consult someone. Um, but obviously time will tell. Um, I kind of want to get right away. I want to get right into the uh, Heronic situation. And just kind of the Minnesota Wild game as a whole, because I think there's plenty of talking points come out of that. Uh, before we even get into Heronic, uh, Magnus Helberg gets to start. Very notable. Again, back-to-back, so obviously not giving Billy Husu a night off, but could have went right with Nadelkovic, and he went with Helberg. And yeah. I thought, I think Lalone put it perfectly in his post game. I thought he was fine. He didn't lose the game for the Red Wings. He didn't, he didn't save any goals, really. He didn't save any um, glorious chances that could have been in the back of the net. Yeah, but, I mean, it's it's an upgrade when he wasn't bad. Or yeah. Or not good, rather. At the very least, it keeps it to, you're still in the same situation of uh, still doing tryout, a tryout in a sense of who's the who should get the backup role. Yeah, that is not something I thought I would say. This no, year. no, and it, uh, considering you're going from Alex Adelkovic, who was viewed as kind of like the future guy in the net for Detroit for a couple of years anyway, until Koso was ready, to now competing with a guy who's claimed off waivers is definitely uh, on paper. Like, if you would have told us this beginning of the season, it's a little bit nuts. A little bit nuts. Wild. 
Yeah. So again, I mean, I it's really nice to see those pads. First and yeah, foremost, those pads are so nice. I is that part of the reason why I want them on the roster full time? I don't care how you play if you rock that style. <laughs> I also think it's really funny. Like both games that he played for the Red Wings, obviously he played one last year at the end of the season. Both games he barely faced any shots. Yeah. And so like save percentage like is a little bit skewed. Since he did he didn't face anything. That's another thing. I do want to give the Red Wings credit. I think obviously the offense is dried up. I think we haven't in the past four games, they haven't scored more than two goals. And the other one's being one it's been two or it was one against the Panthers, two against Dallas, zero against Carolina, one against Minnesota. So offense is is gone, which I mean it's gonna happen when you lose three of your best goal scores. Um, but defensively, I still think that aside from the Florida game, I still think they've been pretty good. In terms yeah. of a full system. And I really thought things could have gone really bad in Minnesota. Um, right right away. I mean, it's what two and a half minutes in, and Philip Ronick get, gets absolutely rocked by Ryan Reeves. Um, weird play, Philip Ronick not looking while he's skating up the middle. Ryan Reeves absolutely trolley tracks. Bad hit. Um I I shouldn't say bad hit in the, in my first opinion. Def, by definition of the NHL rule book, it was a legal hit. But it goes into a further conversation of should it be a legal hit? Because it's a, it's yeah, a dangerous hit. A... It's a, it's an extremely dangerous hit if we're going to look at it that way. Guy that's... is in, in he's in a the puck carrier is in a defenseless position with his head forward lower than the guy coming at him. Granted, he put himself in that defenseless position, which makes it uh, a legal hit. But there's just there's so much to unpackage with the play in general because that's not something. I don't care what you say, but it's not something that should be in a sport. You don't want to see anyone ever like right away. He grabs his head. Yeah, it's not something you want to see in the sport is something someone grabbing their head. So there should, should be a further conversation. You just got to think longevity of players too. like if hits like that are OK. I mean, in terms of players making money and having lives after the sport, that's a it's a dangerous precedent to set. Yeah, I think that's kind of what his is Alan Walsh. Said. Noted Alan, oh no, it noted Alan Walsh client and Philip Ronick. No, I, I and I agree completely. I mean, it was interesting the uh, the discourse that happened right away. Um, obviously, the TNT broadcast was very much in favor of it, and I I didn't like how much they were celebrating a hit that resulted in an injury like that. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't that, crazy. I wasn't crazy about that. I not gonna lie, I was really bugged by all that stuff, even on like social media, like any sort of actually any Twitter account basically that like watches hockey, I guess was posting about the hit and just, and it wasn't in light of hopefully Phil Peronix. Okay. It was just Ryan Reeves. Wrecked. Yeah. It was, it's, it's kind of disgusting when you put it like, and you put it that way. And then like, well, especially and then, really then spit and chicklets making memes about it. Like this guy getting injured. I'm like, that's not cool. I know DraftKings Draft also posted something about like him being hurt or something, and they had they know. deleted the tweet. 
it's just something to really put in perspective. Like when a guy is laying there and he's grabbing his head. I mean, I I just think if that happened in like the NFL and someone got trolley tracked and they were holding their head afterwards and like in some sort of anguish that would, that wouldn't happen. No, I could, I could be wrong, but like when the whole, I don't know if you, how much you follow the NFL, but I know it's not crazy amount, but when Tua Tagovailoa got his head injury and like, well, yeah. he was, like his n- nerves were messed up and stuff like stuff. There were, it was all serious about that. I mean, head trauma is very serious. And well, uh, this guy this goes all the way back, and I'm I'm gonna get really off topic here, but this goes into Gary Bettman and the precedent he set of not acknowledging CTE as the as the NHL as a league and not taking head head hit seriously. Because again, legally in the rule book, Ryan Reeves is in full right to make that hit. I'm not blaming him. Also, I no. did think he. He acted like an ass. He acted like an he ass. Did like, yeah, he did act like an ass. But in this sense, this hit, this play, he was in his full right to make the hit. But mm-hmm. what league, what kind of league is it that allows that kind of hit? That's just, it's a dangerous, you don't care about the players. Yeah. I, the NFL, to go back there, they've really cracked down on, like, I mean, I guess, aside from the play the other night, but I won't get into that. They've really cracked down on head injuries, in my opinion, compared to the NHL. They're quite a bit ahead of the NHL. And they've made it their power anytime, basically anytime, even a defenseless player that has his head buried, if there's head contact, they just kind of throw him out of the game. And I'm not saying that they need to switch that right away. I mean, there's other precautions you can take but it's just something that probably should be talked about and brought up at like the next meeting next board of governors meeting yeah i agree it's It's something such a dangerous play like i mean hopefully hopefully phil is great and ready to return but i mean i I mean the com from comments from alone he wanted to return that game and obviously the right thing happened. The Minnesota trainers training staff was like, no, you're not. Yeah. And that's, and that's as, so- as, as he shouldn't have. Like yeah. you, what's again, like this is a step forward of taking like the right precaution within head injury or potential head injury is holding the guy out and making sure everything's okay. Yeah. Even though like, again, it was like the two back to the two situation. Like he said he was fine. Yeah. That, that was really bad too. Yeah. So again, it goes to the point. Like I, players, I, players will. It's it takes someone else other than the players to say, "Hey, you're you shouldn't play." Yeah. So because players will do anything to play, except it's this weird. I guess I, I probably shouldn't say that the NFL is better. I should rephrase that because the NFL has had many flaws with CT situations too. Oh yeah, definitely. But I mean, but in terms I, of- I in terms of like. They actually acknowledge to, it's a real thing. Trying to prevent them in game, I think they are doing a. They are ahead of the NHL um, now with acknowledging plays. Uh, for example, the Tua situation, and then also the other night, I think it was Devonte Parker. I want to say for New England, 
that he I was believe it was. He was literally just hobbling, like yes, and about to line himself up for another play, and nobody blew the whistle. Refs, not even the concussion spotters, were paying attention, and his teammate Nelson Aguilar, Aguilar, sorry, uh, was literally waving his hands, trying to stop the play. I mean, that's that's bad, and because he yeah. literally could see his teammate just about to fall down and they were no idea where he was and the concussion spotters that's their job is after a big hit if you went, went, went for a pee break yeah exactly <laughs> but um yeah can't get back into this again obviously hope heronic's okay okay but this game got really interesting really fast because basically if you look at the ice time for defensemen in this game uh detroit played with 40 I don't know if you, did you see the ice time? Uh, I, I didn't. But you want you want to take you want to take a guess how many? Oh, okay, so uh, Moritz Sider led the led the defensive core in point and time. He played twenty nine minutes. Okay, that was a little. I was gonna guess twenty seven, but no, twenty nine and a half. He almost played thirty. Uh, um, ben Schrott like played twenty two and a half. Uh, Wallman played twenty three and a half. Osterley played twenty one. Gus Lindstrom. Played Can 15, 15 minutes. I should I should let you guess. <laughs> Fifteen minutes. Tell me you were not trusted without telling me you're not trusted. Yeah. And and eight minutes of that was Ben Sherrod in the in the family box. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yikes. Put Stephen Camper in next game. Like, I don't I don't I don't know. I'm literally Which, okay if they do it. He's not a bad player. I'm just really hopeful that those two can come back. Me too. Sooner than later. Me too. But in the in in the events that happened, Moritz Sider really got to play a more elevated role. And I thought this is the best game he played all year. In terms of physicality and being engaged, he looked really good. This is the most physical I've seen him all year, and that's when he was playing his best hockey last year. Because yeah, it it made people pay more attention to him like okay cider's on the ice i'm like you just have to be more careful because mm-hmm. he'll just blast you i i don't know if it's because he's a strat now and feels like he doesn't have to play that physical edge game but it's just i just like it so much more when he is playing like that and i really like Sherratt's game this today or this game too I really thought Sherratt really showed his true value. Because again, he, after the re, okay, not a lot of people, not a lot of Red Wings fought back in the first period after the heroic thing. It's like stuff really died down. But then Reeves kept running around. I mean, he trucked Lindstrom. And then Sherratt, yeah. threw, he threw, gave him an elbow to the face and they fought, which I love that. Again, d- did he like, he kind of fell, like it wasn't much going on. I did respect Reeves in the sense, okay, I, I, I I'm going to backtrack my first comment there, but just give me a second. I do respect Reeves because again, Trot was falling down and Reeves punched him in the back versus in the head because he was defenseless and he didn't see the punch coming. So he looked it looked like Reeves hesitated where he was about to punch, and then he decided to punch him in the back when Schrott fell instead of pummeling his head into the ice. So I do like that. But then flexing on a fight that you both fell, I don't that's cool. Good job, Reeves. Yeah, I don't know. He's he's not an NHL NHL player. No. He's not. He sucks. 
He he made some physical plays this game, but you could not score an empty netter with two and a half minutes left with nobody on you. Yeah. Embarrassing. Embarrassing. If that's your entire role for a team, that's you suck. Sorry. Yeah. I, I don't think he's a very good player, but I, I just don't respect the I, comments he made after the game. He's like, you need to watch out when I'm on the ice. You play seven minutes a night. No, I don't. Yeah, that was kind of a little bit cringy. I think they're, that kind of role is kind of dying in the league, too. It's just non-existent. It's really interesting. Yeah, it seems like the Red Wings right now is really affected by it because of the build of their lineup right now, and especially without star power or, I guess, lack of offensive firepower, I should say, instead of star power. But, I mean, you're missing your three, four of your top nine, three of your top six. Um, So you kind of have to revert a little bit and play defensive hockey. And when people are on the prowl like that, I, I mean, to kind of stem off of what you're saying about Reeves, I don't think he's, to compare him, I don't think he's a better player than Giovanni Smith. No. I think he plays a better style of game that, I think they were trying to find in Giovanni Smith. Yeah, he play I, he plays the style better. I think Giovanni Smith is a more skilled hockey player by far. He definitely, he definitely is. Um, just Reeves is better at agitating. Yeah, and running his mouth and yeah, and getting attention that way. But I mean, do your thing. Do your thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this game, yeah, definitely infuriating. Um, and like I said, with the de- depleted lineup, I mean, there wasn't a lot, whole lot of offense, but Elmer Soderblom did get back in the lineup and scored. Really nice play. Forechecked, uh, knocked the puck out of the air, kept the cycle going, and and put in a rebound, which, I mean, where he, right where he needs to be, front of the net. That play was really nice. I was really happy for him. I thought he took a second to get back get into the game, but once he did, I thought he was really good. Yeah, he's... and the Red Wings, the Red Wings need any little bit of offense they can get. They need him right now. Yeah, I'm really curious what they do with the lines in against Ottawa because I didn't really love. Again, like I said, there's limited options. I wasn't crazy what they did to line up against Minnesota. I would have, and they made changes through at the end. I mean, Bergeron ended up on the first line with Raymond and Cop, and they moved Kubalik to the to the fourth line the quote-unquote fourth line with Valeno and Zarnik. Yeah. So I'm curious what they do for the rest of Because, again, I, I'd like to see so, Bergeron in a more me, elevated role. Give me some – actually, I'll give you my four lines right now. Yeah, too. Right off the top of my head, off the top of my head, off the top of my head, off the top of my head. Off rip. Off rip, right off rip. Uh, Give me – let's stick with Cop, Raymond, and Bergeron. In a top six, I'm not saying whether I would play them as the first line or not. Probably probably the second line. Give me Valeno, Kubelik, Perron. And then give me... Heck, let's do it. Give me Rass, Elmer, and Sonny. Try to run it back. And then give me uh, Zarnik, Suter, and Ernie. I don't hate it. Similar to mine, I was thinking to flip uh, 
I, I, I liked the idea of Perron with the two young guys in, in Berggren and Valena, but I do like your idea of kind of splitting that up a little bit. And I thought Berggren played well with Cop and Raymond. And granted, it was pretty a pretty small sample. Um, but no, I, I thought it was – I was like, oh, okay. Like, we could be all right here. Um, but no, I, I like that. I, I just want to see something different. I understand the fourth line was really productive for you the past – couple weeks but just right now with the lineups at like you kind of need to play players there where they're going to be more comfortable um i i'm not gonna lie that was one of the worst sunny games i've seen sunny play in a while i'm the power play i'm like i don't see your value right now in the power play because soderblom didn't play in the power play uh yeah right now the actually i would say the last stretch of games i really haven't seen it with sunny on the power play there's been moments in the year where I've been like, oh, my gosh, where I had complained about him before. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, he just made such a good play on the power play. Mm-hmm. And it's just so sickening to see him in front of the net because there's so many better options you could make on paper. But he's played the spot well. Right? The second unit, the second unit looked really good. Second unit know. has looked better, arguably, lately. Did you did you see this? You know, you saw who was on the second unit last last game, right? I can't remember off the top of my head right now. So it was Wallman on the point, Schrott taking the one timers, Berggren on his uh his strong hand, and Cop and Valeno. Valeno okay. playing net front. Valeno was retrieving pucks very quickly, getting up, and Wallman walking the point really well, and Schrott was ripping him, and it was like getting close. Berggren was really doing a really good job setting up. I Berggren did throw a pass that was like if it was like Kubalik across for the one timer probably would have been a good chance but Schrott again limitations but I did think he played the role pretty well when I did have complaints last episode about him being on the power play this is what I pounded the table for for so long though is Valeno power play reps why haven't we seen that at all instead of like move around pieces and put him on the bumper in front of the net yeah and I understand the reason I think they have Sunquist on the top unit still. And again, because he's, he's a righty. Well, he's a right. No, it's because he's a center or he can take draws because Larkin's out now. Oh, okay. Well, they moved Raymond to the top unit. So they don't have another natural, their natural, a guy who can play, take faceoffs. My thought is you just move Cop up or something like that and put him net front or you go Valeno on that unit. Why not? Again, I just don't see the point of if you're going to have a guy just for draws and he's not going to bring a whole lot of value in terms of making plays, then get rid of it. Yeah. I I know they kind of liked the setup of running everything through Perron and having that guy there, but even like a guy like Soderblom, like you're telling me you can't have him take face-offs or something? He's 6'8". Yeah. Can get some leverage. Has the skill to make plays and actually be used. Because again, you're looking... And also the, the movement on the power play has been terrible. Absolutely terrible of late. Besides, I mean, the second unit last game I thought was pretty good. The first unit, it's, it's very stationary, very bland, not a whole lot going on. I'd like to see something change there. Alex Tangay is starting to, his system starting to run a little dry like it did last year. I know, granted, the, actually, no, not really. I mean, the first unit stayed basically the same. But relatively unchanged. So I'm curious what they, uh, what they look like against Ottawa on Saturday. Yeah, there's a lot going on with this team right now. There's 
It's definitely not questions. boring. No, it's not boring. Which is, uh, I guess, is a a podcast covering a t- a single team. You can't. It's all you can really ask for is not be boring. True. And again, I, I made the comment about Bedard, and I was kind of joking, but again, I, I am still hopeful the Red Wings can stay really competitive and just do the best they can. Because again, I think it's best for players, the the young guys like Cider, like Raymond, and not not playing meaningless seasons. Yeah, you want to be pushing for the playoffs this year, hundred percent. Yep, and we the Red Wings might have some reinforcements coming soon. In Robbie Fabry, who who's been skating in a contact jersey now. I mentioned that last episode, but again, more people are reporting it, and the projected date is the next game, the game after January first. So I believe that's the Red Wings play January fourth. I believe I need to look at who they would be playing. Give me a second. Yeah, it would be really big to get Fabry back against in New a, Jersey in a whole lot of different ways. That would be very big. And he's just an energy guy, too. Um, yeah, so against New Jersey, the fourth. So the Red Wings have seven games in between that. So, it, I mean, that would be – I mean, you're looking at – you can have Fabry even play center, too. I mean, that's a lot of pressure to throw a guy who just got is, off knee surgery and you be a top six center. I don't I don't think you do that, but I think a complimentary middle six role right away. Who do you think his best fit would be? Like who? Like which guy? Like not. I don't. Even, you don't need to like set up a line, but who would be his best fit right now? Yeah, like which guys? Man, it's it's real tough to say because of the the spot the wings are at right now. I got one guy in mind. I think could be really good for him. Maybe Peron, but right. um. Right now, is it's tough to say, especially not knowing how he's going to come back. But I think Perron is an easy match with any player, just about. I agree. Yeah. And again, I mean, who knows? Maybe this conversation that we're having is maybe Larkin's only out a couple days. Maybe Hopefully. Hopefully I, I, man, I really hope so. Really hope so. Because again, this, this conversation about being like completely out of the race would be like, hopefully null and void because, again, the Red Wings can probably do okay for a couple games. It's when you're looking at months where it's yeah. it's tough. Tough for sure. And again, you have obviously Bertuzzi, who's going to be due back mid to late January. Phillips Adina's sometime around that. Again, I've heard literally nothing about him. Yeah. I think we joked that we, we forgot he was on the team. Yeah. No idea. Um, Hopefully he's back soon, too. That's, like you said, another body. Again, you imagine if he was here right now. Huge opportunity. Yeah. But unfortunately, that's just how the NHL works. Um, I did another thing I want to point out from the Minnesota game. I really loved uh, Wallman and Cider together when they played. They really played well together. And I hope that's kind of something we explore further. Um, especially, I mean, I, not to take anything away from Sherrod, because I thought actually Sherrod, that was like the best game I saw Sherrod and Cider play. I thought yeah. they were very aggressive and they were playing really well off each other. And I thought Sherrod was moving his boots pretty good. But Wallman just brings a whole other element of mobility. And without a guy like Larkin, having Wallman, who's so mobile, just to be able to break out a puck is huge in terms of trying to generate offense. Yeah. Agreed. That was one thing I really noticed from that game. I was I was really impressed. I was like, wow, Wallman really is stepping up this game. And I mean, his ice time reflected it being the second most played defender in that game. 
Um, yeah, I, I feel like I'm all over the place, which I mean, it kind of is. We've been obviously like a little peek behind the curtain. Uh, obviously Andy being sick, we pushed back the date. Still not still feeling under the weather. And then I had finals this week. So a little tough and trying to regain everything, but kind of bounce around a couple of the, the previous games. I mean, the hurricanes game one, nothing. Did that game even happen? That was, uh, I don't say this lightly, but that was probably the most boring game of hockey I've ever watched in my life. Well, I mean, I don't know what I don't know what I was expecting, but both coaches and Brenda Moore and Lalone both just run that kind of boring system, and they just in the Carolina Hurricanes outboard the the Red Wings. Yeah, what happened. I was outboard. Yeah, and I I can honestly can say like okay, they scored in the power play, which was a really sick pass by Jarvis. And Huso one timer. I mean, again, Huso played fine. I thought, but there was no. I, I can't think of grade A chances on either side. I can't. I can't even remember the game because I was so bored. It was a really well defended game. Uh, Kachetkov. I again, that's a fun story. Good for him. Three shutouts in a row, I believe. Yeah, I thought it was two or but... two shutouts in a row, but it was three shutouts in the season. Yeah, which is the most in Hurricanes history, which is pretty pretty neat. And considering he was the third goalie going into the season, he's able he signs a four year contract and is looking to be at least a at least a one B option next season, depending on injury and stuff like that. Which is gonna be really weird if both Hurricanes goalie come back come back healthy. Like, what do you do there? You have to move someone. Yeah, it's not gonna be Kachekov because he's he's been great and he's young. He's very young. I well, really they moved Nadalovic. That they did, but they didn't sign him to a contract, did they? Yeah, no. No, they did not. Um, I didn't really have anything. No, again, the Hurricanes were without um, Ajo as well, so I guess they kind of matched the Red Wings in the sense of missing their top center. Again, Larkin played kind of like half the game on and yeah. off. But still, I thought it was uh, – again, the Red Wings always play pretty well against Carolina. I wasn't really worried about that game. They seemed to match up well against them, and I enjoy watching those two play. Not that game though. That was bad. Yeah. Another bad one was the Florida game. I know that's a, basically a week. It was over a week ago at this point, but um, for, it, as we were praising the Red Wings' consistency, that was the last real stinker, and it was the last chance Nelkovich has gotten, and he didn't really help himself. That game did no. not help himself. Five one loss. Um, you feel for him the sense of. You're kind of getting thrown to the wolves, but I mean, the Florida Florida has been such an inconsistent team this year too. It's just like you're not going to get a good chance either way if you're Nadalkovich in the sense of trying to prove yourself. You're, you're going to have to you got to win a game against a, a probably a good team. And yeah, he didn't, the Red Wings didn't help him at all. Being out, they were out Mata and then Wallman, which was a weird one. Wallman being I, I didn't, this game. didn't quite understand that and. So Hag and Lindstrom both showed me oh, why I shouldn't understand that. Oh, they were back in the worst way possible, is what I wrote down. I like I was it was awful. Um, Hag got put on IR, which I should should have mentioned on the, off the top. Another injury, but again, probably not really consequential in the sense of uh, what we were talking about. With do the we know injuries. what that injury is or no? No idea. I don't think they. Oh. I think it was lower body. Hopefully he's all right. I hope so too. No, I'm not like I'm not like downplaying injury or something like that like i hope he is okay but i mean it yeah. was just in so i but i didn't see anything that happened in the game because it was after this game he, he's been out i didn't either 
and you didn't skate the game uh, the practice after he showed moments this year where you can realistically call him a bottom pair defenseman and he's shown moments where my Gustav Lindstrom saying that Gustav needs to go back and spend a couple more years in the Elsvenskan. I it's to the point where with Gus Lindstrom, it, like fully healthy. I mean, unfortunately, Mark Pizik, like oh, man, wouldn't that have been awesome if he could have been back? When is? Well, no, he he, tweet, he tweeted again. Oh yeah, that's I totally forgot. He's basically he's probably not even gonna play this year. I'm an idiot. I hope what happens is the Red Wings are like, let's sign you again. Let's try this up. Let's give you the identical contract, 800K. Like, let's yeah. make it happen. And let them try. Because, again, reliable bottom pair guy. And if the Red Wings do make some more additions on the back end, guess what? He can be a seventh D. Yeah. Great. Gustav Lindstrom should be on waivers. Yeah, and I don't think he gets claimed. I don't think he gets claimed either. That's my point. I... <laughs> When this team gets healthy, finally, hopefully sooner than later, I and there you struggle to find a room for him. There's no reason to keep him up. Nope, I'd even argue the same thing with Hag, but obviously, I mean, uh, yeah, either either or, I I don't see true NHL value. And again, the playing the pl- the dispersal of minutes is the same. alone saying the same thing without saying it. And again, with the Wallman scratch, I don't think it was an actual scratch. Lund, it almost seemed like because it, it was called a coach's decision. You don't really get a you don't announce a coach's decision or you don't announce a scratch. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it was almost like if you like missed like pregame meeting or something like that, and they disciplined him in the sense of you're not playing. That's kind of what I was wondering. Because Lund said I wanted to play him, but he was just unavailable. Didn't say it was. It was a weird. Something something happened. Obviously, nothing serious because he, he he played the next game and was playing top four. And that's what Lalone said he was going to be with Heronic anyway. Yeah. In that game. Not that not that uh, Jake Wallman being out of the lineup sealed the Red Wings' fate against the Panthers. But No, not even close. But... Would have been nice. Would have been nice. And again, I think he's been a, a great story this year so far. Agreed, 100%. I've really liked what I've seen from him. Yeah, it was the same as last year. I mean, we kind of viewed him. Obviously, he had positive analytics. And we didn't really know what much to expect. I mean, he's extremely mobile, loves to shoot the puck, which is something, again, we, we've we credited the Red Wings doing better of this season. But in years past, they haven't had that guy on the back end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the Florida game overall, 5-1 loss. I mean, Matthew Kachuk's goal was really slick. He's a good team, but well, yeah, the Florida Panthers are so weird, and that's kind of like the team the Red Wings are in the Atlantic are kind of matching up against in terms of future prospects for playoffs. I like it's such a I don't know how to gauge the Panthers. They're in an interesting spot too because they've kind of deal dealt with battling guys in and out of the lineup. I mean, they missed Barkov for a good stretch. They've missed Lundell for stretches. They're without Kachuk again tonight. They Kachuk had that suspension too earlier this season. Uh Ekblad missed a long period of time. I mean, they were at a point where Mark Stahl was probably their def- best defenseman. I mean, now Spencer Knight's out been out for a while. So you have to trust Sergey Bobrovsky somehow, which <laughs> I'll leave it at that. But they are a very talented hockey team. They just 
kind of like the Red Wings right now, not to the extent of periods of time missing multiple players, but they've had key guys in and out of the lineup quite a bit this year. And they haven't found a rhythm yet. They've been, they haven't gotten on that like long winning streak that most real good teams go on in the course of a season. So, I mean, I expect that to happen sooner than later with them. Yeah, no, I, I, you could see it, especially in that game. I mean, they completely did the, it was no, the ratings are barely in that game. Even the game before that they played, I think they had played Seattle a couple games before that or something like that. But I had watched that game a little bit and it was kind of a clinic again, kind of like what they put on against the Red Wings. And then, yeah, and then the the next time they played Seattle, Seattle did the opposite to him. Yeah. But I thought that was going to be when Florida kind of goes on a run here for a while. Because I thought they looked really good against both Seattle and Detroit. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. And um, I can't really think of much else notable from this game. Uh, I'm trying to think who even scored the goal. Oh, it was Bergeron. Bergeron scored. Yeah. That's right. And again, he's been, again, we talked about Bergeron's impact last episode, but he's been everything the Red Wings could have hoped for. Very reliable. And again, they've done... I think it's part of the reason why they've been trying to keep him on the fourth line is just like more so for his development of like what he's don't take, don't bite off more than you can chew. Wow, it took me a second to really think about that. My brain's yeah. so fried. Good work but, there. Yeah, thank you. I was every the three brain cells that remain right now are we're really trying for that one. But more than no, me. I I've really enjoyed Bergeron's game in a more limited role, like playing anywhere from twelve to fourteen a night. And I think just because of necessity, I think you need to play it more. I think so, too. I mean, he showed lots of spurts of how good he is at controlling play and how patient he can be and just so good at setting up plays. Even under pressure, how good he is at just basically making room for himself and waiting to find an open lane for himself or another guy. Um, some of my favorite things in players are the ability to enter his own and read the situation. And he loves his escape moves and he does that quite a bit and it works. I think that's really valuable to, top of the line or top of the lineup forwards to be able to enter a zone. And I know it sounds so simple, but lots of teams struggle with zone entries, especially the Red Wings, especially the Red Wings five on five. I think that might kind of bolster some offense. If you throw them with two pretty offensive players, I was kind of this crazy thought too. How do you feel about a first power play unit, Jonathan Bergeron? Hundred percent, I'm all for it. Flip, flip, Coop, him, Kubalik. Should I get that second line, second power play unit? I mean, another not almost a spark both of them in the sense of Kubalik hasn't really. He's been quiet the past few games. I don't think he's playing yeah. bad. He's just kind of been quiet. And then you go him and Raymond opposite flanks. However, whoever, if Hronik's healthy, great, or have him or side or whatever. Try to run it like that. Yeah, it all depends because you talk about flipping Kubelik. 
a guy that I'd be most curious to see play with Kublik on the power play would be Berggren. Oh, in so, terms of feeding? In terms of threading a needle, because he's so good at doing that. But I, I know what you mean about maybe up his usage on the power play and throw him out of the first unit. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't hate to see that at all. Because I thought he's been really good on the second power play unit. I, think I, hated, I hated when they put him in the on the bumper. Yeah, me too. I have really liked him, him, Raymond, and Cider when they've been on the top of the umbrella together. I have really liked that. It's just finding the right pieces to go along with it. Exactly. When they had Bertuzzi and Cop, I felt that was good. I did too. And even like Joe Blen or like Joey V and Elmer. I know it's such a young unit, and then you can yeah, bump the, the future. It's called the future. And then you can bump Cop up to the first unit and try to. If Heronic's healthy yet, I'm good. I'd be happy with that too. I mean, if they want to have that true center, I mean, Cop could go there. Yeah, good face offs. I I did. It's weird, and also you just need to get Cop going. Yeah. While his point total, his point total looks okay. He's three goals. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah, and I I'd argue that a lot of his points haven't been. They've kind of been phantom. I, it's kind of depends how you just feel about empty net assists. Yeah. Because he has the trust of the coaching staff to be put out there and he made a play or, again, was out there to help with the play to get it out and defend it. But, again, I, I totally get what you're saying. Yeah. In terms of really generate generating, like, five-on-five offense, it's not. He has not done that. I understand your point, and I agree. I agree. Um... I think there's too much else Red Wings wise I want to cover. Um, I kind of want to talk like league wide news, and there was a was a certain game last week that I wanted to talk about at the beginning of the week last week. So it's gonna be a little dated at this point, but there was a uh, obviously Tage Thompson going off and scoring five goals against the Blue Jackets. Not remember bad. When, remember when we argued about his contract? Not argued, but we had a a disagreement about his contract. Yeah, it's it's safe to say it's a steal right now. Yeah, I'd also like, I'd also um, like to mention that uh, Jeff Skinner has seventy nine points in his last eighty two games. Yeah, like, <laughs> like is he is he underpaid? Yeah, no like, kidding. kidding. Um, but no, there was an interesting a bunch of interesting conversation that came out of it in the sense of uh, history. So the most goals I've ever been scored in an NHL game it was seven, and it was by some guy in the nineteen twenties. I don't remember the name. I've been listening to Jeff Merrick talk about this for like a week. Jeff Merrick was absolutely rip shit because the Buffalo Sabres only played Tage Thompson three minutes in, in the third period. His point is, if you're chasing history, you should just kept playing him. Yeah. How do you feel about that? I guess in the point of time, like Don Granato is probably not thinking let's chase history is probably thinking let's get some young players, some reps that need reps, right? You're up that far in a game. Like I'm just Peyton Krebs get out there. Like Jack Quinn, let's keep rolling you guys. Yeah. I don't know if Krebs was playing that game, but he did. He scored, he scored the eighth goal, I believe. Okay, exactly. I, I don't know. I, I can see both arguments. That's kind of where I'm at too. Like as a coach, and Jeff Merrick did point out, like he's he felt as if 
if if a game was eight to one and there was seven different goal scorers, yeah, hundred percent like roll the bench. But in the sense yeah. of you have a guy chasing history, he's like he should have just kept getting played. Sorry, Columbus. I don't think you're more. If I don't think you're you, the same embarrassment happens if you lose nine to four or thirteen to four. Yeah, no kidding. So it, it's kind of, and I I agree with that point as well. So I I, I kind of get it, but also it's just like, especially if you're Tage Thompson too. Like, how much do you care? Yeah, yeah. I think it's all about the player there. Yeah, and I'm sure, like, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, he, I think a total the ice time for that game was only 13 and a half minutes, which is nuts. You score five goals in 13 and a half minutes. That is nuts. But no, is there, like, outside of Connor McDavid, is there a more exciting player in the NHL right now than Tage Thompson? Probably not. The fact, yeah, the fact you think that you had to think about it for a couple seconds there. Um, I, It depends. Like what? What sparks your? I'd say he's right up there in probably the top five. Like two guys I think of right away are Nathan McKinnon and Austin Matthews as electric players, and then Tage Thompson is right in there right now. Like every game in game out, watching him, he's doing something every shift. Yeah, it's just kind of like it went from Buffalo. Buffalo is kind of gone from like. It was super okay. I'm gonna use the, the superstar word on Tate Thompson because he is. He's showing that he is. He's, he's a superstar, and he's kind of come out of nowhere. And it's just like the Buffalo. I hope. I really hope for the sense of like. I hope Carson hears this, but and maybe we'll have him on to talk about it. But I really hope the Buffalo Sabers don't mess this up. Jack Eichel yeah. was, is a superstar, and got and he got run on town, and I hope that they're able to find a competitive window when they have Dolly in power. Thompson, you got Paterka, who's looking to be really good. Jack Quinn showing up. <laughs> they have all the makings of being a really deep team. I and I hope and he, this is coming from a guy who is in a the same division as a as a fan. I want to see Buffalo be good, and I want to see them and the Red Wings have really exciting games. I hope they fuck it's, it up. <laughs> I'm not Especially, even kidding. I I I couldn't care less. Like, I, I don't well, I think it's good for. Sorry. I think it's for. I think it's think. I just think it's good for hockey in the sense of Buffalo being one of the most populated markets in terms of TV viewership. Yeah, and being engaged when when you have a more watchable team is definitely something I think the league would want. I guess I shouldn't say that. They're they're also. It would be nice to see them compete in playoffs. I just don't want them to. You know, be better than the Red Wings. Well, no, like no, I, I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying that. And also that report with the Sportico um, of the NHL considering to overhaul its schedule. That would be that just proves more so my point of having an exciting Buffalo team. So you have those premier matchups against the Red Wings. So anyone that didn't see that, um, the NHL is considering trying to get more divisional games throughout a season to create more rivalry throughout a year. Instead of having every team play, I mean, I think it would be every team play twice, and then you try to double up division wise for the rest of the the, the last twenty games. Yeah, it's tough. It, I see both. You... I see both ways because again, I do think that because the Battle of Alberta, for example, two out of the they only play three times this year, and two times have already happened. Yeah, it's it's definitely unfortunate. Um, but I also get it in the sense of for tickets and opposing fans, like p- kids, like 
kids in let's say Philadelphia are huge Connor McDavid fans. And they buy they go and they buy that ticket for the when Connor McDavid's in town. Yeah. They want to see the best player play. So it, I understand the terms of rivalry and getting stuff going like that, but it, it, there's something to be said about hey, the star player is the best player in the NHL is coming to our city and I get to go watch him. Yeah. So, I mean, again, it would be like us as kids and we could have been seeing like Ovechkin. Who? <laughs> Bum. 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 Also, I, I did want to kind of point this out too. I mean, Alex Ovechkin scoring uh, 800th goal, only one away from Gordy. Uh, yeah. I don't know if I don't know if you've looked ahead to the Red Wings schedule, but uh, next Monday the Red Wings play the Washington Capitals. Yes. He's gonna break. He's he's gonna break the the record against the Red Wings. Honestly, pretty poetic. Exactly. I kind of hope it happens. I, it'll be nuts, but I know a bunch of people were like, it's going to happen against the Maple Leafs because everything happens against the Maple Leafs because they play Toronto on Saturday. And it just takes, I think they play, I think Washington plays tonight too. So he's got two games. So it'd be two, I mean, two goals, two games, totally possible for Ovechkin considering I saw someone make the point of like, it seems like, Ovechkin only starts to go. He starts to go faster when he gets closer to a milestone. Like yeah. just three goals in one game, awesome. I thought that was. I, I mean, good for him. Yeah, he's so easy to root for. He really is the best scorer, goal scorer of all time. Yeah, not even close. Not even close. And I do. I love the stories coming out about him of how people have talked to him in the past and like, you're going to break it. And he was like, no. And then all of a sudden he's becomes more and more believable. And it's really nice to see, especially Washington too. Like that's another team. If we're going to talk about Red Wings and playoffs, Washington's been pretty good of late. They have, I don't without, without Darcy Kemper too. Okay. Well, Darcy Kemper has been pretty solid this year in terms of save percentage. He's, he's fine. I don't think Charlie Lindgren is any worse than Darcy Kemper. No, I like Charlie Lindgren. I think Charlie Lindgren's pretty good. He is good. I said that last year when the Red Wings played the Blues. He, he's good. He's a good goalie. Very good goalie. Uh, he was. I, I think I said on the. I think I said on the podcast during free agency, if the Red Wings would have gone out again, aged poorly, not on Charlie Lindgren, but on Alex Nedeljkovic. I said if we targeted a Lindgren type of just having a good backup behind Nedeljkovic, I was game for that. He's not any worse than any of the Blues goalies, that's for sure. Uh, no, definitely not. I think they would have rather kept him, and he would have been a starter. Um, it's not no. any worse than the Red Wings start- backup goalie either. Uh, no, definitely not. That's what, again, my point was right on that. Yeah. So again, I, Washington as a team, we kind of like we're starting to write off, but I, I still, I still think they have a lot of injury issues. But I, I, they're not a team to be taken lightly. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's really any other league topics to go around that I have notable about. Um, uh, again, previewing kind of the rest, the next couple games for the Red Wings. Uh, we talked about the Washington game against Ottawa Saturday, and the Red Wings are kind of in a similar spot to Ottawa in terms of injuries. Yeah, Stutzla and Norris both being out for the Senators, kind of similar forward forward depth if we're gonna look at it that way. Similar decor. It could be a good opportunity for the Red Wings to have a really good competitive game and actually pull out two points and start to get a little confidence going that way. It's a huge game. Huge game. I And I mean, I'm sure Billy Huso will start. I just want to say, and I I want to, I, I think I reiterated every podcast, but Billy Huso has been great. He's been the Red Wings best player. 
Billy Huso is my man. Yep. Leave it at that. Yep. My man. That's a perfect way to end it. Um, I did want to mention uh uh supporters of the podcast should uh if you're looking to sign up for ESPN plus, use inside the rink.com slash ESPN. Sign up a lot of good out of market games, considering someone who lives in the Boston area like myself, able to watch the Red Wings all the time on that. Um, plenty of unique ESPN plus only games. Um, yeah, really should look to sign up for that and also support the pod on Twitter at TBL pod, subscribe on Apple. Um, trying to think if I'm missing anything Buy our merch. We got new updated merch. I just got a sweatshirt. It's very cozy. Perfect for, I know it's probably a little late for the holidays, but anyway, get it for new year's. You know, the classic new year's present, right? Grant. What's a classic new year's present. All right. Joke right over your head. It's fine. It's fine. But yeah, um, yeah, thank you everyone for listening. Yeah.